Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Tattered, torn, scattered, scorned, thrusted into chaos the day I was born. Just a misfit, destined to be a statistic, shattered, but what does it matter? They want me to be in sync with the pattern of a victim, perpetually positioned in a self-envisioned prison, frozen, imprisoned by our past. We don't ever get the present tense. It's evident we are ships with no sail to catch the wind. And we heard about God, but don't think he could let us in. Because our whole life, the world shut us out. And love is foreign towards us. We don't understand, so we doubt. But God changes everything. The pain, it settles, and we don't remain as the abused adolescent or confused with depression and used as a weapon of self-destruction. His grace conducts a better scene because God changes everything. Hurt to healing, shame to salvation. They said victory is something we would never see, but God changes everything. Hey, a big happy Easter Liquid Church. Great to see you guys. Happy Easter, whoa, Resurrection Sunday. Welcome to Liquid Church. Hey, if you're visiting for the first time, big special welcome. I'm Pastor Tim, glad you're here at Liquid, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus with us this weekend. And in fact, we need to give a, a big special welcome. If you're new, Liquid is one church. We meet in multiple locations around New Jersey. We'll be in New Brunswick, Nutley, and Mountainside today. Would you welcome those folks visiting? Glad you're with us too. Praise God for you guys. Glad you're with us. So, uh, so this is Easter weekend. That means we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and uh, I always like to start with something kind of funny, so I'm going to tell you my favorite joke about the resurrection. Uh, you may have heard of the preacher who had to give a sermon on uh, the resurrection to the children in his church, which kids are a tough crowd, because you never know, you know what they're going to say, and so the preacher called all the kids forward to the stage, and he said, okay, um, who knows what a resurrection is? And a little boy raised his hand and says, oh, oh, I know, I know, and he goes, oh, what is it? He says, well, I learned about one on TV. And he said, that's kind of strange. You learned about the resurrection watching TV. Well, what did you learn? And the little boy says, well, I heard if you have a resurrection lasting more than four hours, you should probably see a doctor. <laughs> that's, uh, oh, hey, hey. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, we're that kind of church, right? Okay, I just, don't, don't run out yet. Come back, come back. It's okay. Stick with, stick with me. Some of you guys are leaning in now like, what? Oh, this is interesting. Today, we're beginning a series called uh, But God, Conjunction, Then God, Two Little Words, just three letters long, B-U-T-G-O-D, and you can see that title on your program cover, But God, and those two little words can change everything. They can change your life. If you ever feel like you're up against a challenge, you know, too big or to overcome, these two tiny words, but God, change everything. But God moments happen when our life is going in one direction, but God intervenes and sends us in a brand new way, giving us a fresh start or a turnaround in our life. 
And you know, some of you need that right now. I know that there are people in this room this spring who are facing big challenges. Maybe you got a, a phone call or you received some bad news about somebody that you loved. Maybe you received some upsetting test results. Or, or perhaps you, um, you, know, you found out that your company's downsizing or recently lost your job. Maybe someone you loved or entrusted betrayed you and you're wondering, how am I ever going to recover and start over? This church is full of people facing big challenges, marital challenges, health challenges. Maybe you're trying to get out of a you know, financial hole that seems too deep to climb out of. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Some people just quit. They give up. They kind of, you know, they're like, I'm just going to watch TV or watch, you know, cute kitten videos on YouTube, you know? They numb out. Others get mad and they lose their faith. They lose faith in people. I'm not going to trust anyone again. Or they lose faith in work. They're all just going to screw me. Or some even lose faith in God. You know, when challenges come, it's very easy for the but I excuses to pile up. You ever have the but I excuses? You know, I really need to work out but I'm too tired, you know? I need to eat healthy, but I lack self-control. I need to go to the doctor and face up, but I don't want to hear that news. I should forgive him or her, but I'm still so angry with them. But, 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 but. Can I ask an impolite question? How big is your butt this morning, okay? I'm just going to ask you, turn to your neighbor and say, you got a big butt. No, don't do that. Don't do that. No, don't do that. You'll get slapped. You don't want to get slapped on Easter, okay? No offense, no offense, but some of us live with these big butts in our lives, and that's not a comment on your body size. I'm, I'm just being silly about that. It's the size of the challenge or the obstacle you're facing in your life. See, when we look at our challenges with these but I limitations, I need to fix my marriage, but I don't know where to start. The but seems very big. But the Bible tells story after story after story of ordinary people whose life was changed by a but God reversal. They had a turnaround. There was a but God breakthrough. In fact, that phrase, but God, occurs over three dozen times throughout Scripture, beginning in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. In the opening chapters, a flood threatens to destroy the earth. Take a look at this Scripture. It reads, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals that were with him in the ark, and the waters receded. So from the very beginning, we see God is all about saving lives. He is not about sending calamity, but protecting his people. But God saved the life of Noah and his family. How about the story of Joseph, a young man who dreamed these amazing dreams that he'd be used by God one day, made his brothers very jealous, right? You think you have a dysfunctional family? They threw Joseph in a pit. And the Bible says, look at this, it says, they sold Joseph as a slave into Egypt, say it together, but God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. Joseph's life went from bad to good to worse, in fact. But God reached in and took Joseph out of that pit into a prison and ultimately to the palace of Pharaoh, where he became ruler over all of Egypt. And years later, when famine gripped the land, people are starving. His brothers come to ask him for help. And Joseph could have been bitter at that moment. But God gave him the grace to forgive them and speak these incredible words. This verse blows my mind. Look what Joseph said. He said, you intended to harm me, say it together, but God intended it all for good. Imagine that. After all Joseph went through, all the family betrayal, all the drama, slavery, false accusations, Joseph looks back on his life and he says, you know what? 
but God intended it all for good. It's all good. Could you say that? In fact, Joseph actually says this. He says, God brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. The Bible tells story after story after story after everyday men and women who come up against these limitations, these liabilities, these huge losses in their life. But God reaches in and he turns their world upside down and the trajectory of their whole life changes. I mean, could you say those words, but God, about the story of your life, looking back? Because those two words have changed a lot of lives in the Bible, but also in this church, including mine. For instance, uh, in college, I actually studied uh, film and television. And after graduation, my dream was actually to go to uh, the West Coast, to Hollywood, to work in the film industry. But God had me substitute teach at a public high school where I discovered a love for teaching. That was a but God moment that changed my destiny forever, what I do, how God uses my life. How does he use yours? Back in 2001, it was a few weeks after 9-11, and my wife and I, we volunteered to teach a Sunday school class for 12 people that summer. We thought that was it, but God had a different plan. He grew that little class into Liquid Church, which is now reaching a lot of people. In fact, our church, did you know this? It turns eight years old today. We actually launched on April 2007. That's a pretty cool thing. Happy birthday to you. All right? Yeah. We launched on April 2007. It's April 2015. So happy birthday to you all. Uh, but, you know, you look at your moments in your life. Do you ever see that but God intervention? I, I know some of you are facing health challenges. And we're a church that believes God that still does miracles. Amen? We believe in the power of prayer. I want to encourage you. In my 50s, not my 50s, whoa, 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 <laughs> relax, but God backed that truck up. <laughs> I'm in my 40s. My dad was in his 50s when he was diagnosed with incurable cancer. Some of you know this story, and the doctors said his time was very short. They said it could be four months, could be four years, we, we, we don't know. And our family was devastated. We prayed that he would live to see his grandchildren, and the doctors said doubtful. But God extended his life by a decade and a half, 15 years, and he lived to see both of my children born, including my son, who's named after his grandfather. That's a but God. See, two tiny words can change anything in your life. They can turn a trial into a triumph. They can snatch victory out of defeat. God can turn a test into a testimony. And through this series, you're going to hear all these real life testimonies of people in this church. You are sitting right now next to people who had some pretty big butts in their life, but God was bigger. That's the big idea on Easter. Are you ready for it? No matter how big your butt is, God's butt is bigger. Okay. It just is. Turn your neighbor and say, God's got a bigger butt than me. You can just say it. All right. Enjoy that moment. It's, <laughs> it's true. No matter how big the obstacle, how big your butt is, God, but God is bigger than you. You know, the Bible, like I said, I did a survey this week kind of preparing for Easter. And it is funny because I circled every time the Bible says, but God. And let me just tell you, the Bible is full of big butts, all right? As your pastor, I just need to come out and say it. I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. No, so, whoa. Terrible. What are you thinking, you people? I figure it's Easter weekend, so let's start with the biggest kind of but God breakthrough in the Bible, the resurrection of Jesus. Because I realize you may be like facing challenges this spring, a trial or a challenge, maybe that has you kind of scared or you feel a little bit hopeless or depressed about it. But I can pretty much guarantee 
It is not as bad as the, the challenge that Jesus faced when he turned 33 years old and his life was cut short. 33 years old. We've been studying that Jesus was crucified and buried. We spent several weeks about Jesus' last words on the cross, and he died tragically at 33 years old. Eyewitnesses say that his body was taken down, wrapped in claws, and placed in a grave in the ground. And the truth is, if Jesus' life ended here, that would be the end of Christianity. We would not be here today. The Christian faith would take its place on the ash heap of history like a lot of failed religions. It's just one more inspiring man who suffered a tragic death. If Jesus stayed in the grave, we'd have a little inspiration for a moral life, but we'd have no hope for eternal life. But God did not let the story end here, did he? As the apostle Peter preached to the crowds in Acts chapter 3, I want to share this. This is the verse that, man, that just got me this week. He said, you killed the author of life. Let's say it together. But God raised him from the dead. But God is the hope of Easter. The tomb is empty. Amen? What the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. The saving of many lives. The resurrection of Jesus is the central fact of Christianity. And it's the reality that's supposed to define the lives of his followers. We are people of the resurrection, the raising of the dead. And if you look at that verse in Acts, there's really bad news and good news. What's the bad news? Who's responsible for Jesus' death? You and I. Our sin is what killed God on the cross. Jesus took our sin on himself, and then he died as a substitute in our place to appease the wrath of God. That's the bad news. We killed the author of life. But that's the first half of the verse. The good news is that, but God raised him from the dead. The tomb is empty, and this makes all the difference in the world. The resurrection turns reality upside down because by rising from the dead, Jesus conquered Satan, he conquered sin, and he conquered death. And he says, I now promise new life, an eternal life, a resurrection life to anybody who believes. See, the empty grave means that there is no obstacle too big. There's no trial that's too tragic. If God can raise his son from the dead, no situation is beyond his reach, amen? But God can turn disaster, death, and defeat into victory. So I just want to encourage you today, because you may be facing a big trial or a personal challenge this spring. It seems big, but guess what God specializes in? Bringing dead things back to life, amen? I want to look briefly at the biblical account of Jesus' resurrection from the dead and then show you what a but-God breakthrough looks like in real life in someone in this church. Because if Jesus conquered the grave, then anything is possible. Do you believe that? The Bible says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, anything is possible. So let's look quickly at Matthew's account of Jesus' resurrection, and then I'll show you how this applies in real life. You can take your Bible and open to Matthew chapter 27. We put out Bibles today. If you don't have one, steal ours. They are for taking. There are, we won't come after you. Just enjoy those. But we also include them in the program notes, and you can look at the side screen as well. Here's what Matthew records. This is the first book of the New Testament. He writes, the next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while Jesus was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will what? I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come 
and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. And this last deception will be worse than the first. So Jesus and the Pharisees had issues, right? They're kind of like the Republicans and Democrats today, right? They don't get along. Jesus was offensive because he undermined their authority. He was subversive to their power. Honestly, they, they, to, to use a modern phrase, religious people thought Jesus was a royal pain in the butt <laughs> because everything about his approach to ministry bothered them. They hated that the, the fringe people, the, the disabled, the dishonest, the sexually broken, all the unclean people in the streets, they flocked to Jesus. And that was an embarrassment to them. They wanted this whole Jesus mania to be over. So they convinced the Romans to condemn Jesus to death to crucifixion on a cross outside Jerusalem's city gates on a hill called what? You remember? The skull, as we've seen, Calvary. And everybody thought, this is the end of Jesus. Case closed, casket closed. But then the Pharisees say, wait, wait, do you remember what he said when Jesus was alive? He predicted that he would rise from the dead. So they go to Pontius Pilate, who's the Roman governor, and they say, hey, Pilate, just to be sure, listen, can you just, you know, secure the tomb? Because we don't want his disciples to come and steal the body. This needs to be T-H-E-E-N-D, the end. Or the last deception will be even worse than the first. What's the first deception? Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, the chosen one, the savior of the world. He's, they're like, but, but you know what would be a real headache? If his followers come and say that he's been raised from the grave, that's going to be a huge headache for us. So can you take care of this, Pilate? And Pilate agrees. Look at verse 65. It says this. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a what? A seal on the stone and posting the guard. So Pilate says, I'm going to do three things to make sure that this is the end of Jesus. First, he puts a stone. Then he puts his seal. And then he sends soldiers to guard the grave. Pilate takes three precautions to ensure Jesus will not bother anyone again. A stone, a seal, and a group of soldiers. Let's look at each one. First, the stone. It's very interesting. In Jesus' day, you weren't buried in a casket like this. You were buried in a tomb made of solid rock. In fact, most tombs were carved into the side of a mountain, and they were made of sheer bedrock. And you know what typically would happen? After they put the body in, they would roll a rock, not this size, thousands of pounds. They'd use a lever, put it down into a, a trough, kind of, a, and roll it in right into a groove in front of the tomb so that it would be sealed shut airtight. In other words, they put a physical limitation in front of Jesus. Have you ever faced a physical limitation or a heavy burden, an obstacle? You know, a close friend of our family uh, was tested recently for breast cancer, and she discovered she had the same kind of genetic um, a marker that like Angelina Jolie had, young mom, you know, and uh, now facing, you know, double mastectomy. What do you do with that? Where's Jesus in the middle of that? Some of us carry these huge physical burdens. It could be cancer. It could be infertility. It could be a child with special needs. We all have these physical liabilities that seem to thwart God's movement and work in our lives. The second thing is that Pilate sets his seal then on the tomb. Now that seal was made of clay and it was stamped with the authority of Rome. The seal said, the full weight and power of Caesar 
has sealed this shut. It's kind of like the presidential seal. You know, when you see the seal of the United States, it says the full powers of the American military are backing this up, so don't mess with this. And you know what? No one did. It was against the law. Anybody found tampering with a Roman seal would be executed immediately. And that seal really represents the politics of the situation. Pilate was the Roman governor, and he wanted everyone to know, I'm the boss. Here's my mug. I am the boss. How you doing? <laughs> Guess who's in charge? <laughs> Me. Have you ever been the victim of politics <laughs> in the workplace or at school? This coffee mug kind of represents uh, my friend who just lost his job. A few weeks ago, he went in actually to uh, ask his boss for a leave of absence for family reasons. And his boss didn't get back to him right away, but a week later, HR came to see him and said, we've decided not to renew your contract. So what? You gotta be kidding me. And, and he said, no, 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 it's not related at all. He was totally shocked, no, not informed anything of any problems along the way, totally blindsided by it. And he said, they're unrelated, here's a box, go pack up your desk and leave today. Fair to say he lost his job over politics, treated unfairly by the powers that be. Sometimes the power of this world seems greater than God's provision in our lives. Have you ever been the victim of politics at work or at school? People who abuse their power? There was a stone, there was a seal, and then finally there were soldiers sent to guard the grave. Look what Pilate says. He says, take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Now, who was the guard? Most people agree it was most likely a Roman guard. It might have been the Jewish temple police, but most scholars say it probably was the Roman guard. And what that is was a unit of 16 crack commandos. These were the Navy SEALs of the Roman Empire. Each man was responsible for guarding six square feet. And they, could not, they couldn't sit down. They couldn't like, oh, it's kind of boring. I'm going to check my Facebook, uh, you know, my Instagram feed. None of that. In fact, if you were caught sleeping on the job, did you know what happened to the Roman soldiers? They would actually be beaten and burned alive in their clothes. And if one fell asleep, all 16 would be executed. So these guys made sure they would know nobody getting near Jesus' grave. The soldiers were a personal obstacle. Kind of represents, in my mind, the people who oppose the work of God in our lives. I'm not going to put this on because I already have my own helmet right now, okay? I'll just acknowledge that. Have you, have you ever had someone, you know, stand in your way, you know, or maybe they make fun of your faith, you know, at work or, or at school, even someone in your family, maybe they're in, very intimidating to you. They ask hard questions and they get up in your face about it. On Easter morning, there were three big challenges that stood in the way of God's power. The stone, the seal, and the soldiers all made Jesus' enemies feel pretty confident. This is the end of Jesus. I want you to think about this. Jesus is dead as a doornail. He has been dead for three days. His disciples, where are they? Gone. They scattered. They're actually hiding at this point. And even if one of them had the slightest idea about stealing Jesus' body, they had some pretty big butts standing in their way, right? We, we could go, hey guys, why don't we go and we could kind of move the stone. But it weighs thousands of pounds. We can't budge that thing. What if we go, we'll go break the seal. Are you nuts? But it's the seal of Rome. Look what Caesar did to Jesus. What will they do to us? Well, what if we take on the soldiers? Yeah, 12 fishermen versus 16 Navy SEALs. But I don't think so, okay? 
Guys, let's face it, this is the end. Case closed, casket shut. And it was the end. Except, except for two little words. Can you say them with me? I'll say the first, you say the second. But God! Get ready for the greatest reversal in human history, people. Matthew 28, look what it says. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a what? A violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. And this is literally an earth-shaking, it is a history-making event. How many of you have ever been in an earthquake? Anybody experienced an earthquake? It's scary. My, my brother lives in San Francisco. What happens? The ground begins to shake and you freeze. You get frozen. And the Bible says suddenly this angel appears. And I think this is kind of funny because it says he rolled back the stone. And then what did the angel do? What did he do? He sat on it. He's like, what's up? I, I think this is like angel swag, you know? He's got a little bit of swagger, you know? He's like, what's up, boys? Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, open up, but God, yeah, amen, amen. This is an amazing moment. Look, I love this. How do the soldiers react? How do the soldiers react? Look at this in verse four. The soldiers were so afraid of him that they shook and became like what? Like dead men. What makes 16 Navy SEALs shake and quake like little girls? Verse three gives us a clue. It says his appearance was like, let's say the word together, was like what? Lightning! And his clothes were white as snow. But God, but God, but God, but God is quite a scene. Amen? Incredible to be awake on Easter morning. But there, yeah, praise God for Easter morning. Praise God for Easter morning. But there's tenderness here too. Look at this. Because God is powerful, but he is also loving. In verse 5 it says, The angel said to the women, don't be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Let's say these words together. He has risen just as he said, but God. Amen? Friends, I'm here to tell you today, 2,000 years later, the tomb is still empty. Jesus is alive. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We serve a risen Savior. You serve a risen Savior, so but God, what that means, oh, I'm preaching now. All right, I'm preaching now. I'll tell you what, it me. oh, we're going to go today. We're going to have some church. It means whatever you are facing, there is no situation too serious. There is no story too dark. There's no valley too deep that two little words can overcome, but God. Jesus defeated death. He conquered the grave, and you will too if you believe in him. Amen? Amen? Listen, I understand this. You may be here today, and you're like, man, I'm a skeptic. I have my doubts. That's okay. Doubts are welcome, especially at Easter. Understand this, though. Christianity would never have gotten off the ground 2,000 years ago if they simply produced a body. All they had to do is say, no, 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 dude, he's right here. No, you forgot to look. He fell behind the bed in there, you know? It, there just wasn't a body. And it was God's way of saying, my specialty is raising dead things back to life. And it wasn't just 2,000 years ago. 
Jesus is alive. He is alive in his church. He is alive in the lives of his followers. And he is still doing that resurrection work today. You just ask the people in this church who trust him. Because in this room, you are surrounded by ordinary people who've been transformed by the resurrection power of Jesus. We have people in our church who have lost their health, but not their peace, but God. We have folks who've been betrayed, but they're not bitter, but God. We have folks who struggle with temptation, but they actually walk in victory, but God. People who have suffered divorce, disease, they've experienced healing, but God. See, there are families like Jose and Anna Santiago. Do you know these guys from our Nutley campus? They're incredible. They were married about seven uh, years ago. It really was when their family hit hard times. Their marriage actually kind of came apart. They went through a very painful separation and then a divorce that tore their children apart. And just when the enemy said, see, this is the end of the Santiago's, God said, I'm just getting started. Remember my power. If I can raise my son back to life, I can resurrect a dead marriage. Amen? This is their but God story. My name is Jose Santiago. This is my two girls. These are Tiffany and Tanya and my wife Anna. We both grew up in Newark in the same area. We first met in middle school. I was 13 and he was 12. But then once I graduated high school, we kind of lost contact. I went out dancing with some of my friends and he was there with some of his friends. A few years after that, we got married. Yeah, it was a civil wedding. Um, the most unromantic five minutes of my life. <laughs> it was over really quick, and that was it. When we got together, we had, I had a daughter. She had a son, um, and uh, they also had their own parents, separate from us. And when they would go spend time with them, come back to us, they would bring whatever we didn't teach them. It caused a lot of tension in our, in our relationship. There was a lot of uh, disrespect, and a lot of, you're not my mother, you know, my dad, I don't have to listen to you type of thing. So at that point, we have four children total, our family. On top of everything else with the kids, we had financial difficulties. That added some strain to the relationship. Things got pretty bad. Uh, it was really bad. Yeah, so after two years um, being separated, we got divorced in September 2012. Okay. I started attending Liquid Nutley. I was invited by a family member. I found out that on his weekend, he had taken the girls to Liquid as well. And the following Sunday, when it was my weekend, but then when we walked outside and I saw him there, I was like, what is he doing here? I didn't take it as a, as a bad thing. I thought, okay, this is good, because the girls will be going to the same church. That was my main focus. The church had uh, either outreaches or activities. Uh, we would all meet there because uh, the you know Liquid Church caters to a lot of kids. So we would all go and we would all meet. We would sit at the same tables. Uh, same areas, the kids, so it kind of like brought us together because the whole family was there, so. When I first saw the invitation to do a vow renewal, I thought, wow, what a good idea, that's so awesome, if only. And he was sitting next to me, but I didn't dare look at him because I'm like, I don't want him to feel pressured, I don't want him to think, you know, pressuring him. So we decided to get married on the liquid vow renewal, and on that day, it was, uh, I was pretty happy. I was pretty excited about it, I was, uh, I felt uh, at peace. I think it was almost necessary for us to be separated so God can deal with us individually. He showed me areas in my life where I wasn't trusting Him when I thought I was. My prayer for Him was, Lord, let me see Him, Jose, the way you see Him. Let me have that love for Him that you had. And um, He did it. I do believe that God can bring dead things back to life. True story.
Can we hear it for the Santiago family? Praise God for you. God still resurrects dead things, amen? That's incredible. I mean, they talk about an outlier. They beat the statistics. Divorce tore their family apart two years ago, but God had other plans. They said, we're going to go our separate ways, but God had them come to the same church, the same church in New Jersey, and brings them together, and through prayer, and through care, and through counseling, and through their kids' ministry, God brings them together. This is their picture from the vow renewal ceremony last month when they got remarried. All their children were standing on stage witnessing the resurrection of their parents' marriage. Guys, that's the power of God. Anna told me, she said, Pastor Tim, I, I prayed uh, you know, for God to heal our marriage, but he didn't. And for two years, I said, why, God? Why would you let it die? And she said, now I know. And before something can be resurrected, it has to be dead as a doornail. And then it's transformed and only God gets the glory for it. So understand, you're sitting next to real-life miracles in this church. People have been touched by the resurrection power of Jesus. If you're worshiping with us at Liquid Mountainside today, you're literally sitting in a miracle by P.S. Two years ago, Mountainside Gospel Chapel was a dying church. They were dead. They were ready to close their doors. 191-year-old church that had dwindled down to 29 seniors on Sundays. They were out of steam. They were out of money. They were going to close the doors. It was the end of an era. But those 29 seniors said, we're going to trust Jesus is still alive. And they sacrificed their building and their property to become a campus of liquid. They voluntarily watched, died, and said, we want to be reborn again. And guess what? Today, Mountainside is the fastest growing campus in the history of Liquid Church. Praise God for you in Mountainside. That's a resurrection. See, that's resurrection power. This weekend, Mountainside's going to host five Easter services because they're completely full. Over a thousand people who come on a weekend to resurrect or witness Jesus' power in their lives. That's but God. I don't want you to ever forget this, guys. See, before you can have a resurrection, you have to experience crucifixion. That's what Jesus tells us. Before you wear a crown, you have to carry your cross. And so what that means is, as a follower of Jesus, you may go through a painful process. Maybe it's this spring where you feel like you're dying to something very dear to you. You know, a, a relationship, your career, a lifelong dream. But I want you to think about this. God may be about to work the greatest miracle you've ever experienced in your life. He may resurrect your career. He may be rebuild your family. Remember, if Jesus can defeat death, what situation can't he touch? What trial's too big? What challenge is too much? Only a man who defeated death can offer eternal life, and that's worth celebrating, amen? But God. See, Easter changes everything. It turns the world upside down. It injects everyday life with this new hope and possibility, because with man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Now, before I invite you to pray and to respond to God, because I know some of you need him in your life, I want you to see what the angel tells the woman in verse 6. I'll close with this. He says, come and see the place where he lay. Come see for yourself. Then what? Go quickly and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you. That's the promise. When Jesus is resurrected, he goes ahead of you. And what's cool here is the angel gives this woman two commands. He says, I want you to come and see. And then I want you to go and tell. Come up close. Look for yourself. Then go and share your faith with everyone you know. I mean, have you ever wondered why the, the stone was rolled away by the angel? Why did the angel roll the stone away? Most people assume, well, to let Jesus out, of course. Uh-uh. Later in the New Testament, Jesus appears to his followers behind locked doors. He like walks through 
the locked doors, the walls of the place. They're hiding in an upper room. And Jesus' glorified, resurrected body no longer had physical limits. He could just penetrate through wood or stone. Then why did the angel roll the stone away? It wasn't to let Jesus out. It was so you and I could see in and see there's no situation too dark. There's no circumstance too critical that God can't break through if you'll let him. Come and see and then go and tell. This church is full of people who've experienced the resurrection power of God. Later in this series, in the weeks to come, you're going to hear real-life stories of people at Liquid Church who have received a devastating diagnosis, but God healed them. They had a crippling debt, but God worked a financial turnaround. People who struggled with an addiction to food, to alcohol, to nicotine, to pornography, but God said, I can break chains of addiction. Amen? Remember, no matter how big your butt is, God's butt is bigger. <laughs> so here's what I want you to do this spring. Whenever you find yourself saying, but I, you have to reject those fears with the truth of God. You have to come against the father of lies with the statement of truth, but God. Don't ever say, you know, I don't know. I've been struggling with this habit. I think it's just the way I'm made, but I don't think, but God. Don't say, I could never get out of that, but God. Don't say, I can't save my marriage, but God. I can't be cancer, but God, but God, but God, but God. What will God do in your life if you open your heart to him? You see, when you focus on the but God promises of scripture, your butt becomes smaller. You ever want your butt to get smaller? Read your Bible, okay? <laughs> That's the reality of the resurrection. God doesn't care how big your butt is. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 19. I love this. With man, this is impossible. Say it together, friends. But with God, all things are possible. Do you believe that? I don't care what your circumstance is or what you're facing because right now your trial, God may be saying, you know what, you're going through a test, but God is going to turn your test into a testimony. You're going to look back and you're going to say, I remember that Easter, that crazy sermon, but I don't even remember. Your, your life may be a mess right now, but God is going to turn it into a message of his grace. Later in this series, in this spring, we're going to be laying hands on sick people in this church. And you got to understand, we believe in a God who still does miracles, we believe there's power in prayer. So whatever challenge you're facing, whether it's a relationship that needs to be restored, these two words can change everything. Can we just say them once together? Ready? I'll say the first, you say the second. But God, amen. All right, here's the deal. I want to close right now and give you an opportunity to talk to God yourself. And I realize there's just a lot of needs represented in this room. And before I do ask you to pray, I want to just ask you a question. Do you believe in the reality of the resurrection? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Because guys, this is the heart of what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be saved. See, all of us have these, you know, physical needs on earth. But the Bible says our greatest need is actually spiritual. It's our soul. Because I can tell you something right now I know about every single one of you. At some point in your life, you will face a casket like this. And when your moment comes, guess what? Everything will go back in the box and your body will go in the grave and that is the end. I'm not being morbid. I'm being realistic. The mortality rate is so stubborn. One out of every one person still dies. I Googled this. I Googled it this morning. It's still there. And um, the truth is this. Listen, one day your physical body will die and go in the ground, but your soul will live on forever. And where your soul goes, whether to heaven with Jesus Christ or to hell without him, is determined by the decision you make about Jesus. 
So I want you just to lean in and listen carefully, not to my words. Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I am what? The resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And then he said, everyone who believes in me will never, ever die. And then he points a question to us, say it together. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? This is not my question. This is Jesus's question to you on Easter weekend. Do you believe this? Because understand what you believe about Jesus on earth will determine your destiny in the life to come. And when you place your trust in Jesus, what happens is you're saying, I believe, Jesus, that your death on the cross was not tragic. It was for me. It was very personal. That was my sin. And when you are resurrected from the grave, you're the first fruits, and I'm going to be resurrected too. Scripture says when you trust in Jesus, you pass from spiritual death to eternal life. That's what the Bible calls salvation. And I want to give you an opportunity to receive salvation today. If you've never looked at a moment and said, I know that I'm saved. I can point to a date when I put my faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life. This can be that date. I don't know why you came today. Maybe a friend invited you or uh, you heard something about some crazy Easter egg hunt. You know, I don't know. Pagan people do that. I don't know. (laughs) But God brought you here for another reason. And it's to tell you how much he loves you. I mean, God sent his son Jesus to die in your place so you could have eternal life. When you go on the ground, that you will not stay there. You will be raised from the dead just like Jesus, and salvation is the greatest miracle of all. So my question to you is, do you believe this? Are you saved? Could you say today, Tim, I know with 100% certainty that when my life on earth is over, I will go to be into the presence of Jesus. And when he returns, he's going to resurrect my body. I'm going to have one just like him. If you have never believed, you've never put your trust in Christ, his death, his resurrection, I'm going to give you the chance to do that right now. Salvation is very, very simple, and I want to make it as simple as A, B, C. How do you become a Christian? How are you saved? A, you simply admit your sin. I realize sin is not a popular word, but it's reality in our broken world. God created me and you for perfection. We've all fallen short of God's standard. We're part of the problem. The Bible actually says if if whoever claims to be without sin is deceiving himself. The truth isn't in him. Salvation begins by A, admitting your sin. But then B is believing in Jesus. Saying, you know what? On the cross, Jesus died for me as a substitute in my place. Jesus died the death that you deserved and so that you could live the life that he lived. His death was for you and his resurrection was for you. Look what the Bible says. This is as close as you'll get to a very clear verse. If you declare with your mouth... Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God, what? Raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's B. And finally, C, commit your whole life to follow him. This is not a one-time decision I am asking for. A disciple is a follower of Jesus who opens every area of their life to God's power. It is a whole heart commitment to live your life for the glory of God. Jesus wants to live his life through you. That's what happens. You'll be born again. His Holy Spirit comes into your heart. You're going to have new desires. You're going to have fresh hope. You're going to be able to live, leave guilt behind. And you're not going to be alone. I want to just let you know, if you're here for the first time, man, we'd love to have you come back and be part of this church. It's just the perfect church for imperfect people. We are here to love and support you. We're all following Jesus together. 
But guys, those are the ABCs of how you become a Christian, how you are saved, how you become a follower of Jesus. And I'm going to give you a chance to pray that prayer right now. So let's bow our heads right now. All our campuses, just bow your heads, everybody. And if you're here today and you're like, you know what, this is a moment for me. I want to lead you in a prayer. Maybe you felt God speaking to you. That's the Holy Spirit. He Don't ignore the Holy Spirit. It is a moment to respond. And if you're ready to commit your life to Christ and you would like me to lead you in a prayer, would you just lift up your hand right now? Just wherever it is, lift your hand right on up. God bless you. Lift your hand up so that I can see you. I'm going to want to pray for you. Just keep your hand up. Hands up over here. Praise God for you. God bless you. At our campuses, even on the video screen, just lift your hand up. I'm going to pray for you right now. Keep them on up. All hands up, okay? Now listen, listen, listen. If you have your hand up, those who are giving their lives to Christ for the first time, there are some of you who are here and you've drifted away from God and you're like, man, I just want to come back. If you'd like to recommit your life to Christ, would you raise your hand too? I want to pray for you. Maybe you're kind of backslidden. You're like, man, this was once hot in my life, but I have traveled so far. Man, Easter's about second chances. Just put your hand up. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. Let's do this. Everyone who has their hands up, I'm going to pray a prayer, and you just repeat the words after me. So just, I'll pray aloud. You pray aloud after me. Here we go. Ready? Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner, but today I believe you are my Savior. Today I believe you are my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Forgive my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead. I commit my life to follow you now. Save me. I make you my Lord today. Father God, you have heard the heart prayers of this precious congregation. I thank you for men and women who are entering the family of God forever. Fill them now with the Holy Spirit. Let them have the confidence they've been crossed over from death to eternal life. And we praise God for these miracles. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said together. Amen. Would you welcome those folks joining the family of God? Praise God for you and you and you. Praise God for you guys. Happy Easter, guys. We're so thrilled you're with us. God bless you. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.